Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. You look really good today. It's just good to see you. We're continuing our series today called Bless This Home, and uh, today is going to be a little bit more about marriage, and if you're single here and you just heard me say that, you go, oh, I wish I stayed home. No, 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 because either maybe one day, you know, if you're single or single again, maybe one day you're going to be married or you're going to be remarried, and so you need to know these principles, and if you just happen to be here today and you know you're like, uh, I'm a senior adult, and I'm never going to get married again. Well, good. Take the note for somebody else, because somebody you know will need to hear this. So today, this is for all of us, not just one of us. So as we start this, do you see the title that I have on your outline? It is called, How to Have a Marriage That Lasts a Lifetime. And that's the kind of marriages that God intended for us to have. So again, another disclaimer. If you have been through a divorce, we do not want you to feel guilty or bad about that. That is your past. We're talking about your future, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, as we, as we talk about this, the reason that we even titled this series, Bless This Home, is because uh, we went to the Beatitudes, that's in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus begins to tell us, he said, you know, blessed are you when you do this, blessed are you when you do this. And so uh, today, the verse that we chose out of the Beatitudes it's Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse number 8, and it says this. It says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see that? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you'll see also, let me explain that passage, is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? That means that when you have a heart that is, desires what God desires, you have purity within your heart. And that means that you're always aware of God's presence. And so the pure in heart are the people that are aware of God's presence, so they see God at work. They see God. It's the pure in heart that see God at work. And so if there's ever been a place that we need God at work, it is in our marriages. Would you agree with that? Okay, everybody say yes. Yes, all right. So if, we, if, you, if there's ever been a place we need to see God at work, it's in our, heart, uh, in our marriages. And so today we want to talk about that. And that takes me to the point that I want you to get. If you don't get anything else today, is this. You ready? It says this. It's on the screen behind me. Let's read it together. You ready? A great marriage honors A great marriage honors God. And that is the truth. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just hang in there kind of marriage. I don't want to just get by kind of marriage. I don't want just a good marriage. Rhonda and I want a great marriage. And so we've got to aim a little bit higher than just getting by. And so today I want you to hold on and learn it. And I'm going to give you some tools today that will help you from God's Word to move one level. So if you're just hanging by the skin of your teeth, 
you can move to a good, love, a good marriage. And if you've got a good marriage, then you can move to a great marriage. So today, take the notes, take the outline, let's get started. Here we go. The first thing I'd like for you to, to say to you is this, is that if we're going to have a great marriage, there's three C's. The first one is walk in covenant with your husband or wife. Covenant. We're going to go back to the Genesis where God began this marriage thing. It was his idea. Look what he says. In Genesis 2 and 22, it says this, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now notice this next line here. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become what? One flesh. They become one flesh. Husband and wife, one flesh together. Now, before I go on, I want to show you something real interesting. Here, you, you may not have ever thought about this. When God created uh, man, when he created Adam and he created the animals, he did something a little unique. He took the dust of the earth, he breathed breath of life into that dust of the earth, and it became a living being. So he created the animals that way, he created Adam that way. But when he got ready to create Eve, it's a little bit interesting, he didn't take more dirt from the earth to do that. He did surgery on Adam. He put Adam to sleep. He took and broke a rib out of his side. He cut him open, broke a rib out of his side. And so when Adam woke up, he said, oh my God, what's going on? He broke it. He, <laughs> I can't go on there. Oh, Lord, you see where I'm going with that? No, my mind's got to go back to where I'm at. All right. But he took a, took a rib from his side, and he created a woman from his rib. Now, it's amazing to me because God could have done it the other way, but he didn't. And here's why. And God, let me just say, and God did not create, create woman right away. Why? Because God wanted Adam to know what it was like to live without her. See that? And the Bible said that Adam was lonely. That he, had, he didn't have a companion. So God let Adam experience what life was like without her. And then God put him to sleep. He created the woman out of him. Watch this. Out of him. Why? So that the woman could complete him and not compete with him. And that he could complete her and not compete with her. You see that? So God did that. So we see in Genesis here, God performed the first wedding ceremony ever and that he spoke a blessing over Adam and Eve's life, their marriage, and he spoke into existence his design for marriage, a covenant relationship. Now, let me just say this. A marriage is a spiritual, it is a spiritual binding promise between a man and a woman and God. That is God's idea of marriage right there. It's a spiritual binding promise between a man and a woman and God. God is at the center of that covenant relationship. So here's, here's, let me tell you one thing about covenant. Whenever we talk about the word covenant, I know that sounds like a biblical term. What is it? It is a commitment. It's an agreement. We're in covenant together. We, we have this agreement. When God done anything fantastic or great, he gave a sign that was his covenant for us to remember the agreement we have with God. So, for example, when, when Noah was on the earth, God flooded the earth. You remember that? He flooded the whole earth, destroyed the world, except for Noah and his family. 
And God says, Noah, I'm going to make a covenant with you that I'm never, ever going to destroy the earth again. And what is that sign that God gave us to remember that he's never going to destroy the earth again? What is it? A rainbow, right? That's a rainbow. And so even today, when we see a rainbow, we are reminded that God made a covenant that he's never going to destroy the earth again with water. Never going to do it again. The second covenant that we find in the Bible, this gets more interesting, you might want to hold on for this one, is, uh, is that we see that God had a man by the name of Abraham that was born that would actually start the Jewish nation. And then through his lineage, would, Jesus Christ would come to the earth. And through Jesus Christ, we actually would have the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And so he said, Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you and you with me that you're going to follow me and your, your descendants will follow me. And that covenant is going to be circumcision. Now, can you imagine being Abraham, men? He says, you want me to do what with the what, what? <laughs> Hello? I'm talking about now, this is years and years ago. No surgical steel stuff. Okay, never mind. Here we go. God says, I want you to make a covenant, and I want you to be circumcised. Now, why in the world would God choose to do that? Most of us today that, that go through that process, it's done when we are born, and we really don't know a whole lot about it. But in Abraham's day, it wasn't the case. He was a grown man, and here's what God was saying. God was saying, I want you to make a covenant with me with the part of your body that is going to be the most tempting to you. Did you hear that? This part, I want you to make a covenant with me. There's going to be a reminder on your body that's going to remind you that you are committed to me and that your sex life is to honor me. It's covenant. So now we go to the, uh, another covenant. There's another covenant in the Bible that we have, and the covenant is communion. Communion is our covenant that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and so Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What? He was saying, the covenant that I've done, I've died for you. I want you to have communion and remember what I've done. And so every time that we have communion, we remember that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he's going to come back again for us. We remember that. But also there's another covenant, and that is the covenant of baptism. Baptism is our side of that covenant, which says well, we're going we're to go underwater, we're going to be baptized publicly, we're going to come back up out of the water. And it is our covenant saying, God, we are committed to you. It's covenant. God always used covenant, and he always gave a sign as a reminder of the covenant. Now, in marriage, there's a covenant. There's a covenant that is not just, there's a verbal covenant. And so that's when a, a, a couple, a husband and a wife, you know, a boyfriend and girlfriend, come before a pastor, or they come before a priest, or they come before a justice of the peace, and they make an agreement that we will, you know, love one another, cherish one another, honor one another. All those things, they make that agreement. And that is verbalized. That verbal, uh, uh, verbalization of that publicly is so important. And it's signed on a document that you made a covenant together. It's called a marriage certificate. And that is the first part of marriage. Let me just say this. I've had so many people through the years, especially through the last 15 years, say, well, what is a piece of paper? I'll tell you what a piece of paper is. It's a covenant agreement. If that person that you're dating is not willing to go verbally in front of someone and say, I am committing myself wholeheartedly to you, 
and I am going to give myself to you forever and ever, and I mean it so much that I'm willing to sign a piece of paper and let's have that certificate and put it on the wall and celebrate that, then my friend, that person is probably not going to be around very long. They're not committed. It's covenant. God, it was, it was verbalized first, and then God said there's another sign that I want you to do, a, a sign to remember your covenant. Now, if I ask you what is a sign of a marriage covenant that, a per, that we have today, many of you probably would say the wedding ring. Would you agree with that? The wedding ring probably is that sign. Well, I want you to know that, that is, that's man's idea. That's not God's idea. The wedding ring is not God's idea. It's man's idea. It's a good idea. I think it's great for every married couple to let everybody know before they even wonder, are you available? No, I'm off the market. Hello? You know, show them the finger. I'm off the market. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, be careful with that, all right? But here's God's covenant. Hold on with me. Do you know what God's covenant is for a man and a woman that are married, to be the reminder of your covenant. God's method was sexual intimacy. Was God's idea that it would always, when a man and a woman entered in the marriage covenant, entered into the bedroom of marriage, that it would always be a reminder that I am committed to you, you can count on me, I'm not going to leave you. When we come together sexually, it is a reminder that we have a covenant together, and I'm not going to forsake you, I'm not going to leave you, I, you can trust me, I'm going to be with you, and right now I am stating that trust to you. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't that change the bedroom around, you know, couldn't you, you could turn the porn off then, couldn't you? I mean, everybody's like, oh, we need a little something. I'll tell you what you need is that when you realize that every time that you go into the marital bedroom with, you, with your husband or your wife, that you are in covenant together, you're stating, I love you. You can count on me. You can trust me. I've got your back. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to die as your spouse. We're in this forever and ever and ever. And once you enter that sexual relationship with that in mind, it lights a fire. And that's what the world is missing. Because right now, the world is celebrating just an act. And let me just tell you something. Whether you're married or not, if you're just trying to perform an act, it will have no meaning. But when you think about covenant, it changes everything. I want to share one more thing with you. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 16, 18 through 20, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins, uh, sins a person commits is outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, would you read these next four words out loud with me? You ready? Come on. Who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, I want to talk to you right, as your pastor. I want you to know that you have been taught that sin is sin. Well, not according to the Scripture. All sin offends God, but sexual sins, when you sin with your body, is more offensive to God. Why? Here's why. It's because if you are a born-again believer, you have Jesus Christ living inside of you, when you step out of your marital relationship or you're not married and you have sex outside of marriage, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you. And He will not. He will not continue to live and lay in a bed with somebody that you're not in covenant with. Did you hear that? So, having said that, today I want you to know this because in our culture it's totally different. But what God has to say about this is that if you willfully 
continue to practice sexual immorality, you cannot be a Christ follower and do that willfully. That doesn't mean that you haven't, you know, we've, uh, a lot of people have made mistakes. A lot of people have stepped out and said, God forgives sin. I want you to, he forgives that. But if you say, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to live this way anyway. You say that. Then you are willfully doing it, and the Holy Spirit will not go with you. He will not. And so I want to tell you today, so that's not God's plan. He wants you in covenant. Why? Because here's the why. Is when you give somebody your body before you give them your heart, you got problems. All they want is your body. They never learn to get your heart. And so God says great marriages honor him in covenant relationship. There's a couple in our church that went through this process. I'd like for you to listen to Jamie and Dawn Davenport. Would you put your eyes on the screen? Hi, my name is Jamie Davenport. This is my lovely wife, Dawn Davenport. We've been at Stockbridge Community Church for the last two years. We've been married this October for two years. We actually have been together for almost eight years. And I actually didn't ever want to get married, but um, just becoming a part of this church and just really God, just really just getting into my heart and just kind of convicted me and just I just really decided you know we both decided that we really wanted to get married so we started attending here in August and we became members in October and October was actually when we got married and we've had ever since we've been here and been married you know we've had ups and downs but we've actually learned how to work through those problems the help of members here at church and just becoming more involved and being able to serve and serve others and you know just being able to talk to other Christian couples and having that we've never had that before and we actually had role models and I know that other people's marriages aren't perfect and we learned that it's okay for it not to be perfect and really just going through different connect groups here and especially marriage-based connect groups, it really helped strengthen our relationship. And I learned for myself how to become a Christian wife, which I've never known before. No one ever taught me that growing up. And through my connect group here, that's actually one of the things that I learned was how to be a biblical wife and how you know I could strengthen our marriage in that way of serving my husband and being his help me. So that's one of the things that has helped us, you know, being a member here at Stockbridge Community. It was also a part of me serving my wife, being the leader to our family. We still have struggles as couple, as a couple, and we still fight just like any other couple does. We still have arguments. We still have disagreements. But at the end of the day, we know that we have a commitment between ourselves and Christ and, and God, and we we won't break that. You know, before I always thought, well, you can just get a divorce. But now I know, you know, our marriage, I don't think we would probably even have even gotten married, number one. We would probably still be living together miserable and, you know, trying to just do what's best for our children instead of actually having a relationship and loving each other deeply and loving God and loving Christ and putting Christ first in our homes. I mean, I'm so thankful that that we're members here and that the church, that God used this church to, to help our relationship and to help our, our lives in general. Let's give them a hand.
Now here, listen, we've had many couples in our church that have come through that have not been married that we've talked to, and, and they said, what do you do? Like, especially if you've got a financial situation, you've been living together for years, well, sometimes you can't just move out. So what I say is, listen, make the day the decision today that, okay, we're going to become sexually pure until we get our relationship right with God. And I've had many couples make that arrangement and that agreement, and guess what? Their honeymoon was very, very special when they made that decision. And also, sex complicates relationships before marriage. So, uh, so I would just, just challenge you to do that. Now listen, if you're not a Christ follower today, I want to make you, today would be the best day, thing you could do for your relationship is become a Christ follower. Serve Him. And so in, on, inside of your program, there's a prayer. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. You can simply pray this prayer. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward. You can read it and pray and say, Pastor Jeff, that's me, or God, that's me. And if you mean it in your heart, you can come to God's family. He'll give you the power that you need to do what's right. And so the only thing I ask you to do is check it on the back of this connection card that I can pray for you this week and send you something that will help you. All right? Okay, now, remember our point again. Remember what we said. A great marriage does what? Honors God. A great marriage honors God. So let's check the second C out. That's a num number two. So the second one is we practice communication with our husband and wife. Practice communication with your husband or your wife. Practice communication with them. Proverbs 13 and 2 and 3 says this in the message paraphrase. It says, the good acquire a taste for helpful conversation. Bullies push and shove their way through life. Careful words make for a careful life. Careless talk may ruin everything. Amen. I can't tell you how many date nights I've ruined because I said the strong, stupid thing. Hello? I mean, like, you know what? Now we go on date nights. Ron and I go on a date, and she's like, you know, we're on the way home. She says, you're not talking that much. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not messing it up again. I'm real quiet. I'm just listening, baby. I'm just listening. <laughs> so, so communication is the language of love. Now look at with me. I want to give you four things here that will help you. These are practical tools. Keep the outline. The first one is daily communication. Would you write that down? Plan a time every day to have a conversation. Plan a time. Now, guys, I know you're wore out at work. You've used all your words up, and you have nothing else to say. You're a zombie when you get home. I understand that. But you have to make yourself do this. Like, you know, one of the times that Ron and I found to communicate, there's two times. One is like it, uh, we get home about 5.30 or 6, and uh, we're, she's doing dinner. I just, you know, I say, can I help you? She said, no, but you can talk to me. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? I could go sit down in here. But she likes that time. At 9 to 10 o'clock at night, we have a time to where we communicate together. We talk. You know, we watch Netflix, whatever. We are there together. So choose that. Let me say this. Little daily conversations keep you from having big blow-ups once a month. Did you hear that? Little daily conversations will keep you from having the big blow-ups once a month. The next one on your outline is intimate communication. Intimate you know, it's amazing how that when we're dating, we know how to do this stuff. Whisper the little nothings in their ear. You know what I'm saying? We know how to flirt when we're uh, dating, don't we? 
But something happens. Once we get married, all of a sudden we say, well, you know what? I don't feel that romantic because you've got to pay the bills. You've got to do all this other stuff. We get busy. And so here's what a lot of people will say. They will say, you know, I don't feel very romantic toward my spouse. So therefore, I'm not going to act romantic. Can I tell you what? That is very immature. Mature people understand this. When I act romantic, then I'll start feeling romantic. Immature people say, well, I've got to feel romantic before I'm going to act romantic. If that's you, you're going to be a loser in your marriage. Listen, mature people know you act your way into feeling. You don't wait till you feel it. Some of you right now, your marriage is on the verge of breakup because you're, you just don't feel it. Let me tell you something. If you go on your feelings, you're going to die. Your marriage is going to die. Start acting your way into a feeling. Act your way into a feeling. Let me just say this to you. If you're married here, we want to do something very special for you. On August the 22nd, Saturday night, August the 22nd, we want you to go on a date. And some of you say, well, we can't go on a date because we got our kids. We can't afford a babysitter. Well, we're going to do it for you. We're going to babysit your kids. We have, we're going to hire, just for those that come today, and all you have to do is on the back of your connection card, go ahead and make a plan right now. It's about two weeks away. Check the box that says, sign me up. I want to I take advantage of child care. We'll be here, be professional child care that will take care of your children so you can go on a date. So guys, start right now checking that box and start being nice. Okay, never mind. Yes, there you go. The next one is honest communication. What is honest communication? Okay, I'm going to let you write that down. I want you to look at me. You know what honest communication is? It's talking about it. It. Every marriage has an it that no one wants to talk about. It may be a financial it. It may be a sexual it. It might be uh, a, a relationship with the children it. It may be, you know, uh, your friends, I don't like them, and they become the it there's an it in every marriage that, you know, you don't come home until it's late. It, it, that's an it. So what is the it in your marriage? What is it that you all tiptoe around? You don't want to touch, you know, because maybe you're embarrassed to talk about it or whatever. You have to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, you will have a fit about it, and your spouse won't know what it is. Hello? Oh, this is too close to home right now, isn't it? How does he know all this stuff? Because he's lived it. Proverbs, I mean, Ephesians says this. Honest communication. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, Love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ the head. Watch this. When you, when your spouse asks you, What's wrong? And you say nothing when there is something. You are not speaking the truth in love by lying. Do you want to live with a liar? When they ask you what's wrong, you say nothing when there is something. And you are not being loving by lying. Tell the truth. Talk about it. It can never get better until you talk about it. Now listen, don't talk about it right now. Okay, get in the car and have the fight, okay? <laughs> the next one is this, is financial communication. Financial communication, it's important to know what's going on financially. 
in your spouse's life. You know, I meet these couples sometimes where they say, well, we got problems, what's going on? Well, you know, she went out and bought a brand new Corvette and didn't even talk to me about it. Are you kidding me? I mean, what do you think is going to happen when you get home? Well, I just put us in debt over $50,000 and uh, woohoo, we're going to ride with the top down. Are you crazy? You can't spend money that your spouse doesn't know about. It's going to cause conflict. And if you're hiding money, you've got, you've, got a, you've got a problem already because you're not trustworthy. Talk about your financial situation together. We have something here that helps you do this because it's not easy. It's called Financial Peace University. We'll be starting it up again in September. I would challenge you to go through this program. It will help you Take baby steps in learning to communicate about money. It will help you get what's called a budget so that everybody knows where it's all going. It will bring peace to your home, and you will have love and tranquility and intimacy like you've never had before when you get your money right. So, on the back of your connection card, again, if you say, Pastor Jeff, send me information about financial peace, I went, Rhonda and I went through it. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing in, in the world that helps your marriage. Uh, that's the, probably the greatest compliment we get out of financial peace. They said, you know what? It helped my money, but it sure did help my marriage. And so let us help you today. Okay, so here's the next step. I'm going to give you, I got some more stuff coming your way, but what I want you to do is I want you to make a commitment that says, I will keep this outline and do a checkup later. I will keep this outline and do a checkup later, because you're going to hear this message today, and you're going to have thoughts go through your mind. You go, that was good, that was good, but one month from now, you're going to forget everything I said. So don't let your husband or your wife have to remind you. Keep the sheet and do a checkup. All right, check. would you check it on back of your connection card? Because I surely need to pray for you this week. God will help you. Okay, remember what we said about marriage. A great marriage does what? Come on, shout out. A great marriage does what? A great marriage honors God. Number three. Oh, boy. Stop competing and start completing your husband or wife. We're not competing. We're to complete. I share that with you in the beginning. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 21. This is our memory verse, by the way. Would you read, shout out with me that first word that you see? You ready? Here we go. Submit. Come on, say it again. Submit. Now, ladies, I want you to, before you freak out, because you've, been, you've had that word thrown over you, you're scared of the Bible because of that one word. Look what he says. He says, submit to one another. Not to just your husband, to one another. Husband and wife, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, what does the word submit mean? Here's what it means. It means, what do you need from me? If you want to submit to your spouse, you have to ask the question. You have to tell them what you need from them. So if you want to submit to your spouse, you ask them this question. What do you need from me? How can I help you? What would make our relationship better? Honestly, ask that question. And listen, then they should be able to ask, uh, ask you that question or ask that of you. You know, what do you need from me? If you can ask that question honestly, and you can listen to what they have to say before you start saying, well, I ain't doing that, and I ain't doing that, 
Stop the I ain't doing that stuff and listen. It will help your marriage. That's what submitting is all about. And that's a great question to ask. Okay, look at Ephesians 5.33. It says this. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband, the Scripture says. Remember, blessed are the, the pure in heart, for they will see God. When your motive is pure out of love and respect for your husband and wife, then you will be pure and you will see God working in your marriage. Okay, I want to give you some things because right now you say, okay, I'm ready to do it. What can I do? I want to give you some practical tips right here. We'll start with the men first, all right? Or men's needs first. Here's four basic needs that men need from their wives. Are you ready, ladies? Here it is. Guys, do not elbow your wife. You will discount everything I'm about to tell her that's going to help you, all right? Don't you, don't circle it, don't start, don't you do, you stay still, don't move. Here we go. Here's what men need. Men need to feel honored and respected by their wives. How do you do that? You praise him into doing what's right. You don't criticize him into doing what's right. Man, when Rhonda got a, Rhonda has a power over me. I know she's got it. She's got this power over me. You know what it is? Every time she starts praising me and bragging on me, it just makes me want to do more. And I know she's doing it. Like, you know what? Like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I would help her, helping her clean the house. And when I got the mop and I'm mopping, she stops and says, oh, you're so sexy right now. <laughs> Dear God, I'm... <laughs> I mean, you, you, we got a clean floor, baby. You see what I'm talking about? Instead of saying, you don't ever help me around here. You don't do nothing. You're so stupid. You're so selfish. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. When I know that I'm turning her on. My, I got clean floors. That's all I'll say. Okay? And then the second thing is this. Is that men need sexual intimacy. What does that mean? Here it is, ladies. Listen. It's not kinky. This is what it is. They just want to know that you want them sexually. They have to feel that you want them sexually. That's it. That's it. And then uh, number three is this, that men need friendship. They want you to do stuff with them, you know. Like, I never would, I never would believe that my wife would climb on the back of a motorcycle. She did. She's like, hey, I want to do this with you so we can be together. It's something I enjoy doing. Now, I won't let her go play golf with me. I don't want her to do that, but I do want her to have fun, and she enjoys that. Matter of fact, fun and sex are the only thing that keep marriage from being a business relationship. Learn to have fun again. Here's the fourth one. Men need domestic support. Ladies, we can't do your job. You keep home together. We need you to do that because we just jack it all up. We need you. Okay, now let me give you the four basic things that women need, all right? Ladies, do not elbow, do not circle, do not star. You just look forward, all right? Here we go. Here it is. Women need security. They need to know, guys, that you're going to be there, that you're not going to, you know, you're not, you do not, by making her jealous does not make her love you more. By saying, oh, I know that woman would want me. Oh, I can get somebody else. No, you're killing it. Give her security. The second thing is this, is that women need affection. What is that? It's non-sexual touches. 
And listen, it took me a long time to learn what that was because I didn't know. Most men don't know. You know, you start touching on me. I'm like, okay, yeah, come on. doesn't work that way. They need your hugs. They need your kisses just to be that from time to time. Matter of fact, I would say make every day a day that you touch your wife. Give her a hug. Give her a kiss. And just say, I love you. will change your marriage. Okay? All right? And then the next one is, uh, is communication. We just talked about that. You got to talk to her. We've already talked about that. And the, number, the fourth one is this, is leadership. Guys, she needs you to take charge. Listen, if the plumbing goes out and water's flowing through the house and the sheetrock's all down, don't say, well, you need to go call somebody. No, you step up, put on your big boy pants, and you take care of it. Ladies, I know it's hard for you to contain yourself right now, and you're going, <laughs> thank God you come to church today, right? Take charge, men. Now, here's the next step. On September the 12th, we're having a marriage seminar. It's a half day. It's a day for you to invest in your marriage. Rhonda and I at least do one of these a year, if not two. I read a book every year on marriage because I want to keep growing. And on the back of your connection card, if, if you're interested in that, you want to sign up for it, sign up for that. I want to leave you with one more, um, one more thought, and then I want to pray uh, for you. Ruth Graham made a statement that I think is so true, and every marriage needs this. Look what it says. A happy marriage is the union of two good what? Forgivers. You're going to have to forgive because you cannot live with someone and they not offend you from time to time. They not offend you weekly, sometimes daily. Now listen, if you've got a huge issue in your marriage, somebody stepped outside of your marriage sexually, you know, and there's a big problem there, go find a Christian counselor. Try to work through it. But remember, day to day, I have to learn to forgive. I'd like for you to stand with me now. If you're here today and you are married, husband and wife, I want you to reach over and take your spouse's hand. I want to pray for you. If you're single today, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I want to ask you to be a prayer partner with me. I want you to pray for those people that are around you that are married because God knows they need your help. Everything is working against the marriage relationship now. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way the devil destroys our country is he destroys our families. Can I tell you one more thing? I meet people all the time that say, I'll do anything for my children. I'll do anything for them. If that's the case, will you really? You know the best thing that you can do for them is work on your marriage and stay married. Did you hear that? The best thing you can do for your kids, if you'll do anything, work on your marriage and stay married. That's what they'll appreciate now 40 years from now. Just do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, today we want, we want great marriages. We don't just want good marriages or just getting by marriages, Lord. We don't want to be business partners. We want to be in love. We want to honor you with our marriage, oh God. 
And Lord, we want you to bless our home. We want to be pure in heart that we may see you, oh God. We may see you do the miracle, Lord, that you mend hearts back together, God. That you put what's broken back together and that you do something mighty in our marriage. We pray your blessings over our homes and our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. If you prayed that prayer today, would you email me? My email address is jeffdawes1 at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S, the number one, at S-C-C-V-I-E-W dot net. Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.sccview.net and click the Give link top of the web browser and there's many ways that you could give there again thank you so much for joining us today it is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel god bless you